currently on schedule. Yay. Yay. No one knows that we're not on schedule, to be fair. Oh, that's Outside true. of us. That's true. I just notified everybody. <laughs> Yay, we're always on schedule. Woohoo. Uh, all right. So the, thank you for listening to the Bloody Mary podcast, where we talk about terrible women in history and folklore. And our topic for today, the name of the terrible lady. It sounds a lot like how my Vietnamese aunt says Santa Claus, Sante Kynes. <laughs> <laughs> and our guest today is the great, the wonderful Michael Scarson. Howdy, howdy, Ooh. Bloody Marier. Do you guys have a fan name yet? No. No. I think Bloody Marier is uh, on the bottom of the list. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I mean, I guess we could call them Bloodies or yeah, blo- yeah. Bloodiers. Or just Marys. There's two. Marys is good. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. yeah. Have you guys drank in Bloody Marys while you've done this? Do you guys drink? Oh, I, I do. I would, I've always thought about doing that, but then I never get my shit together enough to actually bring Bloody Marys or talk about. <laughs> it's also never during the day. And I feel yeah. like the Bloody Mary is almost a day drink. Right. Like a yeah. Blood drink. Yeah. yeah. Bloody Marys during the day is like fun and frisky. Bloody Marys at night, you've killed somebody. Right. And you're like contemplating your life choices afterwards. Yeah. So I think you know? Michael's right. We should have them then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's on theme. <laughs> All right, so uh, our our uh, Sante Kimes. Now, this is a theme that I feel like I've had throughout most of the people I've picked because this is my topic for yeah. today. Is that I pick somebody and I think this is going to be uh, pretty easy. This is going to be like a one off, and then it I, and then it ends up being like this whole like other story that I'm just like, what the hell? And that's Sante Kimes in a nutshell. Yeah, her I feel and like her son, her and her son Kenneth, um, who by the way, nobody good is named Kenneth. I feel like that we can just do a Bloody Mary blanket statement. Well, what about uh, Kenneth from 30 Rock? Right, that's where my, that's the only Kenneth I think of. He was, he was, he lived forever and he possibly killed his roommate. So. Yeah, yeah, but okay. <laughs> but his living forever doesn't make you a bad person. Okay. I would say nobody <laughs> nobody not creepy is named Kenneth. That's true. I, can I confess something? I, I didn't look up much of this because I wanted to be fine, but uh, Maria had the documentary running before it, and I think Kenneth is kind of attractive. Oh, his, her, she has two sons, Kenneth and Kent. Yeah, and they're both super hot. Yeah, they're super they're hot. Like, Jesus Christ! And also, Sante is very attractive too. Son, eh, you she, know, like I, I, well, yeah, when she was younger, I when she's younger, she was very pretty. Yeah, um, but then I feel like she was one of those ladies that st- stayed thinking she was hot mm-hmm. well yeah. into her sixties and seventies. Yeah, she also was one of those women who got in that trap of trying to look like Elizabeth Taylor. Yes. When, like, <laughs> which she used as a trap, yeah. but we'll get to it. Which, like, <laughs> did it, like, way past the time when she even resembled Elizabeth Taylor. You know, like, my grandma got in that trap, too, where she would wear wigs and stuff and, like, mm-hmm. jewelry, and she would pretend that she was, like, a li- look like Elizabeth Taylor, and I'd be like, Grandma, you, you're going to dialysis. Like, cool your jets. You don't need to, you don't need to put on full makeup right now. Um, so, just to do a summary of uh, of Sante Kimes, Sante Kimes, with the help of her husband, Kenneth Sr., and then also her son, Kenneth Jr., committed two murders, a robbery, a violation of anti-slavery laws, forgery, and numerous other crimes. Kenneth Jr. and Sante were tried and convicted in 1998 for the murder of Irene Silverman. The pair were also suspected, but never charged in a third murder in the Bahamas, which Kenneth later confessed to. Kimes was sentenced to 125 years in prison in New York on June 27, 2000 and life in prison in California in 2004. So, Sante Kimes was born July 24th, 1934 in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma and she died May 19th, 2014 in Bedford Hills, New York. Um, her She had multiple names. She had, uh, she was known as San, uh, Sante um, Sandra Walker, uh, Shante Kimes, Sante Jenkins, Sandy Chambers. Those are kind of the names. I, I feel like I heard when I heard that, I felt like none of them were that far away no. from her original name. Yeah, what, it's like she, what's her original name is Santa Cobbs. Yeah, yeah. Her well, her her, her original name was uh, that we think was Sante Jenkins. Mm. Oh, her but, maiden name, right? Yeah, but but she also there was a another report that said that her original name was like Sandra Louise Walker. I also have Sandra Louise Singers. Oh, Singers. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's yeah. So she she changed her name a bunch depending on like 
like where she was in status wise. Um, so her her parents were a partial Dutch mother named Mary Van Horn and an East Indian father named Prama Singer. She uh, was married, also married several times, once to a, a millionaire multi motel owner who made motels in um, Anaheim, which we'll get yeah. to. Yeah. Um, so her early life, her parents met at a state fair where Prama was performing in a magic show. He was also an <laughs> yeah. He was also an herb doctor and a vaudeville magician, which I feel like is just like hey, <laughs> just throwing balls in the air and being like yeah. Yeah, he's just a, a swindler. Yeah, what basically. Yeah, okay, he's an herb doctor, a vaudeville magician, a tightrope artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he also gets uh, spots out of your clothes, <laughs> and he can make the best omelet. Omelet. Mary, which I read, I read two articles which notified me, uh, said that Mary was a housewife before she was even married. <laughs> she was living with her father. <laughs> she was called a housewife, which I thought was interesting. So it just seemed like back then women were just like, yeah, they're pretty much just housewife in training. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just a blanket statement for woman. Yeah. Housewife. Yeah, basically. Um, even the, even her her daughter, Sante's sister Sandra, said about her mom that like, uh, she was like, my mom was uh, very passive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, it, you could always tell her what to do. And yes. she was she was born to be told what to do. Yeah. I love those were her those were her benefits. Those were her com- uh, compliments about her mother. She was passive and easily controlled. Yeah. <laughs> It sucks. I mean, that's it. She knows what happened there, but yeah, it's really funny. I know. Uh, her father, uh, or a Mary, so her her grandfather, Sante's grandfather, Mary's father, was a Presbyterian minister mm-hmm. and did not approve of uh, Mary marrying an Indian, which I feel like they, I wish Or they a were, magician. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's witchcraft. Oh, yeah, all the witchcraft. <laughs> I wonder, I wonder what he was upset at more. If he should, if she's an, dad, I'm marrying a magician. Ugh. And he's in Indian. Ah. Or if it was dead, I'm marrying an Indian. Uh, Andy's a magician. Oh, God. I feel like she probably left out the magician part as long as she she just picked one of his other occupations to say, like, Dad, he's, an, he's a doctor. <laughs> what kind of doctor? An herb doctor? Uh, doctor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the good kind. So what, what I thought was interesting was that they married, like, within weeks of knowing each other. Well, he's a circus man. Maybe <laughs> he's, he's, he's got to go. He's got places oh. to be. I, I I have an ex who uh, weeks after we broke up literally joined the circus. What? Yeah, that's really? crazy. Yeah, she's. I mean, she's all over Instagram now. Not like not popular on Instagram, but she's one of those um, rope dancers. Did she show any interest in being in the circus when you? Guys I mean, um, yeah. I mean, she was always kind of. She I think she did like bouffant classes and stuff, like mm. clowning stuff, okay. and shit like that. And she was always very. Um, like animated and stuff like that. And it's like, it's a very good fit for her. She would enter the room by doing a, a cartwheel. Yeah, yeah. And she'd tame her cat in the <laughs> living room and stuff like that. But yeah. Oh, wow. That's that, did she ever say it was like because of you or anything? No, you? no. Okay. We were very young too. I mean, okay. she, there were, it was like, last year. You know, <laughs> I feel like when you're super young, I mean, I feel like maybe when you break ups later in life, you do this too. But like, she did all the things. Like, she dyed her hair blue. Got a dog. Join the circus. Oh my gosh, you did all at once. Yeah. You those, fucked her up. Yeah. Those are the stages of grief. Right. Yeah. Dying I'm, your I'm, hair. I'm gonna change my hair. Get a pet. Join an institution. Somebody will love me. Yeah. 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 Uh, so they quit so they got married within weeks of knowing each other. The only reason why I think that's crazy is that they come from so two different backgrounds. And this is the time when it that's considered more of a thing than right now. Right. And they just totally were like, F it, let's go for it. That's love. <laughs> I know. I guess she was like w- like ready to be a housewife. She was ready she to be was, married. Yeah, she had been a housewife for years. So um, this is just a wonderful story that ends right there. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is a beautiful love story. Um, let's not forget that. This is a beautiful love story. So they had they moved to Oklahoma. They bought a farm with the uh, herb money. <laughs> Magician <laughs> herb money. They had four children. They had a, a son, their firstborn, Karim, a daughter named Premi, who oh. I feel like was a preemie. And they were just like, okay. Okay, I know what we're gonna name her. <laughs> or the doctor. It was this was in Oklahoma. Yeah. So I came in like that's a primary. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. And they were just like, you named him for us. And then uh, Sante, who was the uh, the second daughter, who they made a reference in that documentary that um, the biography that she was like considered the baby of the family. And then Retha came along. So essentially her daughter, her, the youngest Retha was sort of like the kind of upended her like babe, you know, pampered lifestyle already, which is why later in life she gets most of her or when they were children, she gets most of her abuse. So, uh. and then also one of the things is right after Retha passed away or not Retha, right after Retha was born, her, the father died uh, from a heart disease. So um, the mother, Mary was left to kind of take care of four kids all by herself. So she, and she was already, you know, passive and easily controlled. Um, so she cleaned, Mary cleaned houses and took in laundry for money. And then while she was doing that, Karem, the son and Premi took care of Sante and Risa while the mother was at work. However, quickly Karem and Sante began to have an un comfortably close relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Rita said she would catch them like sitting on each other's, uh, Sante sitting on the, uh, her brother's lap, giving him kisses, them holding each other in weird ways, which I'm assuming was like him holding her by the vagina. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I asked because she was like, I would see his hand in places where it shouldn't, shouldn't be. And like, well, what it was, like he was literally like between her legs. And how old is he and how old is she at this point? Um, they're they're not well. The brother is in his late is in his like late teen to middle teens. Oh, okay. So the daughter must be like I don't know, like in not probably not even ten Bro. or like less oh than God. ten, maybe like not eight or seven or eight. Um, so and he was also really controlling, extremely controlling yeah, like, and violent to the point where he beat his mom. He beat his mom, wow. and so one time they got in this huge fight. He punches his mother in the face, steals her wedding ring and any other monetary valuables that they had that are in the house and just leaves. He's never heard from again. And then a couple days later, Premi, the uh, second oldest child, does the same thing and leaves. So it's just Sante, Ritha, and the mother. So she took the second round of jewels. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she took like... The yeah, toaster she took, oven. Yeah, the forks. <laughs> yeah, she just cleaned them out again. They were like we finally got back everything we lost. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so now it's just Asante and and Ritha. Rita? Uh, Ritha. Ritha. Mm. Ritha. So then Sante kind of took over as the aggressor. She was kind of the violent one and she really kind of um, started abusing her sister. She would do things like say, it's time for the fire, which is what Ritha said that, that Sante would say in like a creepy voice. Right. And she would take lit, she would take a match, light it and put it up to her fingers. And if Ritha like moved or cried or anything, she would do it over and over again. Which I did that to myself. But like, <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid. Just to like, <laughs> to see your pain tolerance? Just to or? see my pain tolerance. I didn't last very long. Right. But I just find it funny that like I was listening to this because there's another time where they talk about her doing this thing called hot feet, which is where you take a match a, a lit, and you put it up between somebody's toes. Mm. And I did that to myself. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, like what's wrong with me? Yeah, like, what is wrong like, with I you? I thought that I was, I was just like, oh, I'm just figuring my pain tolerance. I mean, I guess it's better that you did it to yourself and not to a well, I also did it to my brother, but oh. like it was more like a let's see how far we can go with this, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how Sante just, felt too. <laughs> I feel like this is another moment where I share something about myself that I realize is actually <laughs> terrible. Oh no, no, it's fine. <laughs> Um, take the matches away from Lauren. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also used to abuse animals. She would tie up goats and put pins up their butts, hat wow. pins up their butts. And what? she would also catch dogs and put uh, clothes pins on the their ears, nose, and genitals. Which, bitch. Yeah. Which was gross. Well, and this could be if she was like being abused by her brother yeah, and stuff like. Yeah. It's all transference. Right. Yeah. Was their father abusive? They didn't say. They didn't seem. Yeah. Through all the research we did, we couldn't find anything that said that the father was like this. It just kind of started with the brother. 
Yeah. It seems and, like. And I, I watched an interview she did with uh, Larry King, and she didn't even really talk about her family that much. She said, she said in the, in her interview, which, I mean, you know, you could trust that as far as you can throw it, but yeah. she said that her, she was homeless for most of her childhood. Well, she, she lies a lot about her childhood. It's yeah. just part of the con game again of like, the more sympathy you can garner about anything like that, the more you will. I agree, but I would say that if I was abused by a family member, I feel like being abused is more sympathetic than being homeless. Don't you think like you would be like, I a was little, abused? But then like, as we'll see later on, she does the same thing to her kids. Oh, that's true. So yeah. uh, she doesn't see it as wrong. So she was like kind of the, you know, the boss around her house. But then at school, she was teased and ostracized for being Indian. Um, and so she kind of had to deal with that neglect as well. Plus, I guess that her mom kind of wasn't really doing much at that time. Because when is she doing a lot? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and so the authorities took the ch- the girls and put them in a in a home uh, for girls because they felt like they they were being neglected. And then that's when the mom was like, "Nope, I'm going to break you guys out, and we're going to move to California." So they moved to California and they move into an apartment above a factory. And during that time, Sante kind of just eventually becomes more and more aggressive because she just realizes that if she doesn't get what she wants or if she doesn't if people don't agree with her she can just throw a fit and then people will just agree with her or give her what she wants Mm -hmm. so but that's with only with her family with outside people she's sort of like this very charming very kind person right and so she befriends this uh, couple who own a soda shop and a movie theater and they feel like oh well all she needs is like a stable life and so they the wife of that couple talks to her sister and says hey you should adopt this little girl she's you know she's just looking for a good home so they uh they adopt her uh mary mary and ed chambers and they moved to carson city nevada and mary was a bookkeeper and ed worked for nevada's national guard but had a little bit of a drinking problem Um, so at 12, she was adopted by this family and she moved in with them. And they also had another adopted son named Howard. But Howard isn't really mentioned in anything else that I re- read or saw. So well, I don't know. He what was that. probably normal. Yeah. yeah he, probably <laughs> just, he probably just might. When my, my dad, when my uh, grandmother got remarried, my dad had a stepsister. And like, it's totally different from any other stepsister or stepbrother relationship that I've ever encountered. Because they literally didn't talk to each other the entire time that they were. And my brother was like 13. Right. And so he just was like, yeah, we had just had nothing in common. She was 17. I was 13. I just stayed in my room and she just stayed in her room. And I was well, just like. And in this case, they're both foster like children or yeah. like adopted children. So yeah, they don't have, they don't even have like a duty. Yeah. You don't feel like you have to like yeah. grow a bond with this person kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of feel like maybe because you live in the same place. You feel like you <laughs> yeah, should. Yeah, it's more like, a, it's like a roommate, you know, you don't have. I, I think the shared experience of being a foster child. Yeah. Like, that's something I, you know, I mean, everybody, I was talking about my roommate's sober, I'm sober, and we're talking like, I'll meet somebody and I'll be like, I fucking hate that guy. And they'll be like, I'm in the program. And I'll be like, oh, we're best friends now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel like those shared experiences should build a bond. Maybe, what was his name? Harry? Harold? Harold. Hey, Howard. 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 Yeah. I think Howard immediately was like, this bitch is insane. Right. Yeah. Fuck probably. That. Yeah. No. Just like, <laughs> like I'm you're just gonna, gonna ruin everything for me. Yeah, I'm gonna lock my doors. I'm never gonna <laughs> talk to you. So th- to- things totally changed for Sante after that. She changed her name to Sandy Chambers because this this family was like an affluent member of the community. Yeah. They she was able to buy things. She bought nice clothes. She started using white powder to cover up her olive skin, which is crazy because she was really light skinned as is. Yeah, and she would wear white powder on top of that. Yeah. So it, I don't know. It just like when I, I saw the pictures her and I was like I don't under, I don't see yeah she could have just had a nice tan is what it looked like without yeah. the powder yeah and at this point it's the the mm-hmm. 70s or the 80s it's the 80s right? it's the 70s and her name is yeah. Sandy Chambers <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah she, she should have a tan yeah I mean whatever that's just a, a whole nother I think that's just her own insecurity yeah you I, know I, yeah I was gonna say I didn't identity problem 
Oh yeah. yeah. So she so she had her own room, she had her own clothes and everything, but she she still like wanted more. And this is going to be like a growing theme throughout Sante's life is that she has money. She has means, but she can't help herself. She's, she's a still gold digger. She still wants more, so she starts stealing things. Right. Even though she can afford so she gets in trouble and she starts stealing lipsticks and she starts stealing like coats and clothes, but she can afford them. You know, she like goes shopping with her friends. It's like and, Winona Ryder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, so. this is kind of, they, people always talk about the trifecta, right? It's yes. Like petty crimes, and then she's burning things with her friends, well, and she's hurting animals, or she's pe- bedwetting. It's bedwetting, uh, fire starting, and, and Animal. hurting animals. animals. It's called a McDonald's. So we just don't know if she did bed, like bedwetting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, that's like unusual for girls. So who knows? Hmm. Maybe her stealing is a way, another thing. Um, but she's also <clears> a teenager <throat> at this point, right? Yeah, she's a so, teenager. I feel like did you ever see that movie Thirteen? Mm-hmm. No, no, I refuse to watch any coming. You of did, age. Michael? Um, no, but I've read the Wikipedia article. Yeah, I mean, like it's <laughs> I do that. I read the synopsis on Wikipedia. <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm not gonna see Mandy. Let's see what. Let's figure yeah, out what it's well, about. I mean, there's nothing much to see with Thirteen, but it was just like. I was going to use it as an example of like girls just do that. They'll just like, oh, you want to be cool? You gotta steal this lipstick. Oh yeah. Oh, I I, I shoplifted as yeah. a kid just to like be like, me, yeah, I'm a badass. Exactly. I like stole a pen once for a like for a homemade bong, and I got arrested for it, and <laughs> oh, it was no. like an awful experience. Did you get, have to get bailed out? I, I didn't get arrested. I got uh, mall, mall, I got mall, mall arrested. arrested, and then my dad had to oh, come, and he that's like, the worst. Yeah, and my dad's a wonderful. <laughs> great human being and was like disappointed in me and like made me read some book by like you know, I mean, was it the Bible? It was not the Bible. Oh, it was okay. like some <laughs> motivational help, self-help book. And he made me write like a essay to him about it and stuff. And then he took me out to get tacos and stuff. And it was a very nice memory that I just dredged up in therapy recently. Aww. Shout out to Grant Courtney, Yay. my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> my mom uh, just like scared the crap out of me about stealing when I was little. She would just say that like one time I went to reach for a grape and just the one solitary grape she's like if you do that you're gonna get I'm like five she's like you're gonna get arrested and you're gonna spend five days in jail and I'm not gonna come get you and so that was enough for me to never want to shoplift for some reason I yeah. just got scared she was like every little grape every little chocolate that you try to steal you'll go to jail I still steal st- fancy cheese sometimes from <laughs> the grocery store oh no I steal now yeah <laughs> now that I my still, mom's not around <laughs> I steal when like I, I feel slighted so like I went to a electronics yeah, store yeah. and this and I was looking I just needed a, a cord for my computer um, and the, this guy was like not being helpful whatsoever and was like kind of being rude about it like he was like well you should know what kind of cord you want and I was like uh, first off I'm here asking wh- why do you work here yeah. you douchebag right. so I took a $300 <laughs> speaker that I didn't need <laughs> how did you do it I just put it in my back well so they recently ha- uh, like this was like last year oh okay. um, well <laughs> I haven't been back there which I've just store been- which location yeah, <laughs> I haven't been back there, but I uh, I just took it because so they had this they had this policy where they check your bags, but uh-huh. they only kind of just do a cursory look. Yeah, and I would just fill my bag with like so much tampons that, that like, they didn't want to look. look. So they'd just be like, okay, that's good. And so they I would go in there a bunch so they knew me, so they knew oh that's the tampon lady. So um, <laughs> <laughs> so so I used that to my advantage where I would sometimes I would go in there and I get upset so I and I usually it was like cords like it took like a, a iPhone charger one time right and so it wasn't like big thing this is the biggest thing I ever took and Good I just you. yeah I just grabbed it and I went into the bathroom because you could take stuff into the bathroom which I never understood and they stopped that policy now <laughs> but you could take stuff in the bathroom if you wanted to so I took it in the bathroom I took off the packaging and I just stuffed it in my backpack and then I walked out and I even was like and to this day I'm like thank god they didn't check because I was being overtly cocky. Like, I was like, you want to look through my bag? And like, oh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, and they were like, she was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And I was like, if she had said yes, I would have been so effed. Because she would have just easily seen the speaker and she would have been like, where is your receipt for this? Why do you have a speaker in your backpack? But then again, you're always there. So they could have been like, oh, she just has this speaker. She bought it. Yeah. 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 So anyways, so yeah. So the, um, uh, but yeah, I've just taken that. And then I think I, 
Yeah. I, I spite stole uh, industrial mayonnaise uh, <laughs> thing from I work for Jimmy John's and um, they didn't let me like I got the receipt. But like it was like the customer. Co- they signed the tip on the customer copy of the receipt, not the like the merchant, the copy. merchant copy. And they're like, yeah. well, you're out that 10 bucks. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to steal one of these Hellman's mayonnaise. Jar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was like 10 pounds of Hellman's and uh, mayonnaise doesn't last for like years. So, yeah, yeah, I just yeah. Every time I have to stay like an hour or two later at work, I spite steal like a nice pen because I'm like, this is to pay back for this hour that right. I know you're not paying me overtime for. Yeah, kind of thing. <laughs> steal <laughs> one office supply. So uh, while she was doing this, she was uh, so she was like popular. She had a friend uh, who named Ruth who would like follow her around everywhere. Who I'm pretty sure was a lesbian because she did everything <laughs> sh- that uh, Sante said and only really lesbians have that kind of devotion to a best friend. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm just come from experience. Um, they would do things like they would dress in full cheerleading attire, which they weren't cheerleaders. Yeah. And they would go to, to outside games. That's and they would stolen run on, valor. <laughs> that is stolen valor. <laughs> yeah, right? And they would run on the field and just join the cheer team. It was weird. Yeah. It was really oh, that's weird. That's kind of cute. I knew some girls in high school who were, we'll talk about that later. I knew some girls in high school, <laughs> two sets of girls in high school that would do weird stuff like that together. And they were fun, but murderous too, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And they're next. They're our yeah. next topic. <laughs> um, so she graduated high school in 1952 and she moved to California with Ruth, who was never, you know, we don't hear from again, but I have a feeling that she, you know, eventually moved to San Francisco, if you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> Confess her love. Yeah. Right. It's not reciprocal. Workout. It was chowder. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Red Bulls. Yeah. <laughs> she quickly met and started dating a college senior named Lee Powers. And Lee was, uh, they dated for a year and then he graduated college and decided to enlist in the army. And Sante wanted to get married. She wanted to, she had this dream of like being married and being in, you know, a rich housewife. So she told Lee that she was pregnant, which she wasn't. No. And yeah, I know it's shocking. So Lee and Sante were married on May 9th. 1956 and he never addressed the pregnancy. It was like obvious that she wasn't pregnant and he never brought it up. But because they were only married like three months, right? They married a year. A year? Yeah. They were married a year and she gets divorced and then six months later she wait, he never never brings it up again? Nope. He just gets married to her and then just like waits a month or two for her belly to grow and it doesn't and then then he's just like well here I am. But I have a feeling he's he's like an army guy, you know, so he's probably Probably just like I don't know, maybe maybe she lost the baby. You know, women and their bodies. You know, like she, like, or he's terrified. I feel like I've been that guy yeah. in unhealthy relationships where I'm just like, well, I don't want to say anything that might make you mad, so I'm not going to bring up the lie right. about the pregnancy and we'll just yeah, kind of putter along here. Oh, that, that might like um, when when uh, when she got adopted from that family, uh, Retha says that her and her mother danced. The day that she left, yeah, wow. they, yeah, she was that shitty of a daughter she was that and person shoes. to be yeah. around. We're like, <laughs> they did a little dance, <laughs> which I would have loved to see what that dance was. Like, I, was it like I don't know, but I, I hope it was to they like invented the cha-cha song. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little little people know. Um, but so so a year later, she was like, I'm done. Like, he's not making enough money. I'm not nowhere near where I want to be. So um, so then uh, she divorces him and then six months later she uh, marries a high old high school boyfriend named Ed Walker who on November 9th 1957 so it was a quick turnaround and Ed hit one of his big accomplished or he was a, a general contractor who built built homes in Sacramento and he was also known as like a real like like push around even though he's like a big guy like he was known as like a guy, a guy that she could control which is kind of what she wanted and he did well financially Financially building homes, but not enough for Sante. Like Sante wanted, you know, money. She wanted right. like all the money. So Ed started noticing around December 1960 that some of his homes that he built would like catch fire in weird ways. Mm. <laughs> and so people would just chalk it up to like faulty wiring. Like they were saying like it would be weird because it'd be like a uh, iron would be plugged in one end and like some gas would be spilled on another end. So it's just like, why were these things happening? You know, like who spills gas and goes, oh, I gotta go iron real quick. You know, right. like, 
<laughs> so, and also Sante made sure that she was the one collecting the insurance right. for when the when for these homes. Um, and so, he, how is he not noticing any of this? Is is my question? Like, how is he not putting it together that she's probably like going up to him, and being like, "Oh, hey, honey, where? So where where are all your homes? Yeah. Where, where are they all?" Yeah. And he's like, "Well, Give I, me got, a map. I got a couple in Nevada. I got a couple down in, in Victorville." And then the next day, <laughs> they start catching up. Just, he's just like, wow, that is, that is interesting. Weird. I did. I literally was just talking about that home with my wife. <laughs> it's so interesting. Well, he did like, they say that he did kind of suspect that something was going on, but like, ne- again, never confronted her about it. So like everyone's scared of her. Yeah. Seems like a terrifying person. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, hey. So you think I did this? You think I, I was the person who burned down the house? So I'm just a crazy person. Huh? I'm just yeah. a crazy yeah. person. And she tur- she's good at turning stuff around because even in the interviews, uh, like her Larry King interview and all the interviews that she had leading up to her trial, the whole time all she does is blame the judicial system. Oh, yeah. And saying that like the police are corrupt and everybody in the courtroom is, is out to get her and her son and it's always everybody else's fault. Right. So yeah. I feel like she probably did that in relationships too of like, it's not my fault you build shitty houses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so in December of 1962, she uh, gave birth to her son, her first son, Kent Walker, mm. who, uh, who ended up writing a book about her called Son of a Grifter and he actually said, you know, it's surprising but she was a great mother. <laughs> That was weird. Yeah, like she showered him in gifts, and she he always had birthdays, and she was very loving and all that. But then he does uh, point out he's like they were probably all stolen, but right. yeah. all these <laughs> gifts were covered in soot and gasoline. Yeah, <laughs> but it made, it made you feel loved. Um, so in 1967, Sante was like, you know what? I'm I'm over this. Ed's not giving me the money in life that I want, even though she's burning houses left and right. Yeah, um, and collecting the money and collecting the money she's still not reaching the the place that she wants so she decides she's going to get divorced she's going to get a millionaire so she marries Kenneth uh, so she meets Kenneth Kime she finds she she figure, reads in a millionaire magazine that there's a recently divorced real estate developer named Kenneth Kimes who's worth about 20 million dollars so she goes that's where we need to be to be fair all she's doing is her own version of the bachelor yes <laughs> tracking yes. down the millionaire I also love that there's a millionaire's magazine <laughs> <laughs> that to me just cracks me up. It's like, come on, guys. It could be called Suckers Magazine. Oh, hey. They both high five me. They right. both high five Bloody me. Mary podcast. Thank you very much. That's it. Thank oh. you. We're done. What? <laughs> We're ending the show That's early. That's the best joke we got. Um, so she basically threw himself at him, threw herself at him for a year. And in 1971, she moved in. Uh, her and Kent moved in with Kimes in Newport Beach. Now, there are contradicting reports because um, some people say that they never married because he was saying he knew that if they got married, that she would take every penny. So she decided that the best way to get to get control of him was to have a kid. So she that's that's how she had Kenneth Kimes Jr. Now, other people are saying even even Kent say that they eventually did get married, but that he still didn't leave her any money so that she knew that when they got if anything were to happen to her, he all of his money would be left to her, his first two kids, not right. Kenneth, not and not um, Sante. So Sante, uh, in 1975, they moved to Hawaii and Sante all of a sudden started having all these maids working for her and um, maids on in the island were hard to come by. Mm-hmm. So people were always astonished that she was able to find all these maids. And they were also nannies, right? They're and they were also, maids. yeah, nannies. And they were just like, as soon as you walked in the door, there were like, uh, you know, uniformed people, servants there. You know, a bunch, mm-hmm. all of a lot, a lot of them. And Kent, her oldest son, said he never remembered her washing a dish. He never remembered her cleaning any clothes. So people were always wondering how she got them. Well, come to find out, she would go to Mexico and Venezuela and find young um, women mm. and convince them to come with her for a better life. And she would move them into her house. Who'd give them money to save up to send back to her fam their their families, and that they could work for her. Well, when they got to the house, she would say, "If you try to leave, I will have I will have you deported, and I'll have your family arrested." And she would also abuse them and use intimidation. Um, so they would work seven days a week for thir- seven days a week for thirteen hours a day with no pay. So they're uh, slaves, and she. She would also, they weren't allowed to leave the residence unless she went with them. And she also 
abused them in various ways. She One maid she kept under lock and key, so she would actually lock her in a cage and, and not allow her to leave. Um, she also one time uh, uh, threw an iron and burned, um, bur- used an iron to burn a maid, several maids. Um, she beat one maid with hangers. She would pour boiling water on maids. God. Jeez. So, so and, these, and these aren't maids, they're slaves. They're so slaves, yeah. Slaves. They're, yeah, they're slaves. So she would, she basically, yeah, she had slaves. So, reports. Oh, sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but um, do you know how she brought them over? Because they're illegal immigrants. They're illegal immigrants, yeah. How would she fly them back over? She's in Hawaii. Yeah. There's no way to get there by, like, walking. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't say (laughs) in any of my, that's it. I wish I had figured, found that out, because that is a good question. I wonder if she conned the airline, too, somehow. Because, I mean, back then it was easier. TSA rules were a lot more laxed. Yeah. She must have, like, I guess she conned them somehow, but it's it's crazy. Yeah. Because she did it over and over, and nobody... Yeah, she said she had, like, in her life, she's had about, like, 80 to 100 maids. Oh, my God. Yeah. So she had 80 to 100 slaves. And then what happened to them after? Like, she would, after a while, that they would just run away or how did how did they get away from her so she would just discard them she would just so she would move from house to house one of the big oh. things was she would she she still had her fire starting business <laughs> which is where she, would, she would set fires to different houses and collect the insurance so she still had that she so maids would just leave or, or mm-hmm. she would just get rid of them so she would move from house to house and then finally um she they were getting in trouble in Hawaii, so they moved back to the United to the mainland. Um, and people knew, like the authorities knew about this. Like they heard about these crimes that she was inflicting on these, you know, these people, but they didn't do anything about it until yeah. 1985, when a when a slave essentially escaped and ran to the FBI. Wow! And basically said, "Hey, look, that she's holding people hostage there." Right. So they were arrested. Um, Kenneth Senior and Sante were arrested. Um, so And then they also deported the slaves. They deported the slaves, yeah. They were like, <laughs> let's let's take care of you guys and get, over, yeah, get you out of here real fast. Um, so, but see, that was another big problem is that these, even if they wanted to, they couldn't go to the authorities because they yeah, knew that as soon as they, they did, that. they would get deported. Yeah. So, so anyway, so Sante was arrested and so Kent was still in, lived in Hawaii. He was like, I'm done with her and her crazy behavior. I'm just going to... So Kenneth Jr. and Kenneth Sr. and Sante moved back to uh, Las Vegas and then that's when they got arrested and Kenneth uh, Sr. and Sante got arrested and Kenneth pleaded to uh, took a plea deal and said yes I knew that Sante was doing this but the arson I, or the to the uh, involuntary sli- servitude to the um, so he got um, so he was fine with it he was, an, he was a huge alcoholic too oh, that okay. was another thing is that she was able to control him because he just had a huge drinking problem wow. like a, he she did a lot of grifting like she would lie to get him into places and he would just be like if there's booze I'll go so they like one time she kept saying he was an ambassador and he lied she lied the way into like meeting the Fords during the Ford administration (laughs) and like yeah and so and he was just like he was blitzed off his butt so he's just like I don't know what's going on but she was just like we're making contacts (laughs) we're we're networking baby (laughs) so um, so he he agreed to uh, to testify against her and also see uh, rehabilitation for his alcoholism and he didn't get any jail time. Right. She had to plead guilty and do five years of, of uh, jail time. So during that time, Kenneth Jr. kind of came uh, came out of his shell because at that time... When so Kenneth Sr. is the alcoholic. Yes. Kenneth okay. Sr. Yeah. yeah. Kenneth Jr. is still a child at this point. He's like a he's, teenager. Yeah, he's, a, he's like a preteen when mm-hmm. she goes into prison and then he kind of is like a late teen when she comes out. Yeah. And... During so when Kenneth Jr. was born, he was kind of seen as like her her gem, her like pride and joy. So he she didn't want him to be around other kids. She didn't want him to be. So she would hire tutors to homeschool mm-hmm. him. He also was like almost like a spinning image, not like as far as like looks because he looked a lot like his dad, but as far as like personality, he he was exactly like his mother. He was charming, charismatic, but he also lied out of his ass. Because she taught him how to lie. Because he taught him how to lie, and she also taught him that there's a time and a place for lying. Yeah, like one time. 
time she Kenny his tutor noticed that Kenny had a problem with lying so he read she read him the fable Aesop's um, Aesop's fable about uh, the boy who cried wolf and he was just like oh that's really cool and then he told his mom about it he's like look at this story that uh, my tutor just taught me and she got so livid and went directly to the tutor and grabbed her and dragged her in the bedroom and threw her against the wall and said don't you ever teach my child morals yeah I teach my child morals it's crazy that's yeah. like the real life version of the Adams family like if, if the Adams family were to be a real like real group of people where like yeah. their whole thing is to do the opposite of what's good this is yeah her. but the Adams <laughs> family is like actually kind of good yeah but so no. uh, this is like this would be like this yeah, would like, be the, this oh, is a okay, realistic I get what you're saying. yeah this is a realistic version of that wouldn't exist in that in the this new world. Netflix yeah <laughs> reboot yeah, yeah exactly um, <laughs> so now Ken- Kenneth Junior Kenny essentially has like his mom's gone yeah so he has his dad now and his dad's always been like a backseat parent so now his dad's like has to take over and. And he decides that he's not going to do tutoring anymore. He's going to list him in high school. So Kenny goes to high school and he loves it. He's doing really well. He's making friends. Him he and his flourishes. dad. Yeah. Yeah. His forces, him and his dad are getting along. However, one thing his dad keeps teaching him or t- telling him is never trust anybody. Everybody's out to get you. Even so, your mom. Even Especially your mom. Your mom. Especially your mom. So, the, so things are going pretty okay for Kenny. And then his mom gets out on parole in uh, 1989. So Kenny, three, like three years three years later, later as opposed to five years yeah. later so Kenny's so upset that a, f- a childhood friend says that he was visibly crying when he found out that his mom was coming back into his life he's terrified which is like that's not a good thing like it just shows the kind of impact that she has on people where it's like he's right. so devoted to her but then when she's gone he's like I'm free I right. can finally be myself right. so he comes back so she comes back into his life and she immediately move, takes him out of the high school that he's been at moves into a separate high school and says you can no longer have any contact with the people you've been taught you've been friends with because they're quote unquote bad influences. Right. So Kenny gets so frustrated with his mother because he at the time, you know, his dad was kind of letting him kind of be independent and his mom was completely different. His mom was like, no, you follow my rules. You do what I want you to do. So Kenny would like fly into rages and he would have like full on fights. And he even at one point, his brother said, Kent said that he plotted to kill his mother because he was so mad with her. Mm. That all changes when he graduates high school. He goes to uh, Cal State Santa Barbara and he's doing okay. But then in 1994, a year his uh, first year into college his dad just drops out of an aneurysm so that kind of everything shifts so now he's lost his dad and his mom has lost her husband essentially and um, she doesn't care I don't know don't say no don't say it like she cares like lot she's just like the only thing she cares is that he, she loses the possibility of getting his money his right money now. yeah I could see yeah I mean I, I feel like she kind of like you know she there's there's the thing to say that she like loved his money so she kind of like that's her version <laughs> that, of love that, so that's her version of love so she lost that kind of she lost her soulmate there which was his money the money the wallet um, <laughs> so Kenneth so sorry so Kenny uh, drops out of college and him and his mom start a uh, a business where they sell Cuban cigars over the internet <laughs> which, and this is the 90s right this so is in the 90s the internet yeah. is new yeah <laughs> Uh, and that's because so they basically immediately start grifting right because that's because Ken you know Ken Sr. basically wrote it out in his will that Sante and Ken, Kenny didn't get anything all of his money went to his first two kids which yeah. he said from the beginning that was yeah. going to happen <clears throat> immediately what they they start panicking and they start trying to do cons and grifts and so they fly to the Bahamas to try and take out money to secretly take out money from Kenneth Sr.'s uh, secret offshore account. However, there's a bank auditor named Syed Bilal Ahmad who immediately catches on, which is something that I love, which now we'll see, is that everybody keeps talking about how charismatic and how charming both Sante and Kenneth and Kenny are, Mm -hmm. yet every single time they start doing something, they're almost immediately figured out. Yeah, (laughs) I I don't think they're as charming. I think they're just charming enough to get away with, like, little stuff that people don't care about. Yeah. You know, like stealing a a shopping cart of groceries. Yeah. but when it comes to like or slaves or, or, or slaves yeah. Yeah. or, or cash, illegal immigrants yeah. Yeah. or <laughs> cashing a bad check which yeah. anybody could do yeah so but when yeah. it comes to like the big stuff like because I know that they say that they took this banker out to dinner so that was their 
first big mistake probably is offering this banker like, oh, hey, uh, we're going to take you out to dinner yeah. before we like we'll withdraw hundreds of thousands of dollars from my husband's account. It's like no one takes their banker out to dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody. And also a guy who's like already kind of suspicious. Like, why are you here? And they're like, let me take you out to dinner and yeah, tell you why you. I'm here. Let me show you a good time. Like, yeah. This is like mad men to them. They just yeah. think they're going to wine and dine their way to riches. Exactly. Well, from that Larry King uh, uh, interview, one thing I learned is that I don't feel like they're exactly charismatic. I feel like what we've learned from this is that they are exhausted. Exhausting. Is, that, is yes. that like from what when like the husband's never addressing anything to this Larry King <laughs> interview, they are just they literally beat you down it's with like just shut the yeah. fuck up, take the money. Yeah, yes. you're literally yeah. just like they think that if they just keep talking, they keep bringing up things, you're just gonna be like, all right, I get like they keep in the Larry King interview. She keeps telling Larry King, you you, you promise me you're gonna read the transcripts in that court trial. And he's just like, yeah, sure, I will. And it's just like, all right, I don't know what you need me yeah. to do. All like, right, and he's lady. like, if I read the transcripts, what exactly am I gonna find? And he goes, my innocence. And it's like, what? So it's just like it's exhausting. So they so they take him out to dinner, right? Like you said, and he's never heard from again. But also they don't collect any money. <laughs> so I feel like it's like really they just kind of killed somebody for no reason. So after the trial, uh, so this is this had been a so by the time the, the the police in the Bahamas kind of caught on to the fact that this guy was missing, Kenneth and Sante were long gone. So at after the trial of um uh, this other guy, David Kasdan, which we'll get to, Kenneth eventually confesses to mur- these murders, and he says that he is, his mother told him to murder Syed Bilal Ahmad because he was being he was going to tip people off to the fact that they were taking out money. Right. So he what his his mom uh, with the help of his mom they drugged Ahmad, drowned him in a bathtub, and dumped his body offshore. So at, afterwards, just like that, yeah. So Sante <laughs> denies any involvement or knowledge of the murders and claims that Kenneth's confession was solely to a avoid the death penalty which is hilarious if you watch this um larry king interview to see the two of them falling over themselves to be in love with you talk about how great the other person is right and then when they get to california and the death penalty is on the table they immediately start attacking each other yeah <laughs> so yeah that's the best part well except for i mean i'm sure you're going to mention it what kenny does to try to avoid yes. his mo- okay yeah so the next person that is uh involved in their crimes is David Kasdan. So basically what happened was when they there were a bunch of civil suits that came out of this involuntary servitude the slavery trial because they were housing people without, you know, <laughs> not letting them leave. You know that pesky thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So people were suing them, <laughs> suing them for the work that they were doing. So what they were worried about was that their house in Las Vegas was going to be uh, was going to be taken in this lawsuit. So family friend of theirs David Kasdan said, hey, you know, like every family friend does, hey, put my name on the deed. That way they can't take your house, right? But then, a good friend. The old Willie Nelson method. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is that the Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson, uh, his trigger, his guitar. Yeah. He, uh, when he had that big bankruptcy mm. bullshit stuff, he lost his guitar at his daughter's house. Oh. So, and then oh, once, he, so funny. once he managed all his right. finances right. and stuff, they found the guitar again. Oh, would they have made them turn nice. over his guitar? They were. Well, I mean, because Trey, it's like his iconic guitar is probably worth millions of dollars. Oh. This guitar he's had for years. Yeah, I would years. have quote, yeah. quote, lost that guitar too. Yeah. yeah. Along with like at least $250,000. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so then, but he was like, but you guys are going to change my name back, right? And they were like, oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, so uh, <laughs> it just went on for like five minutes, like deep stare eye contact. Yeah. And it was just like, okay. <laughs> um, so then unbeknownst to David, what they end up doing is they end up taking out a quick uh, loan for $280,000. Oh my God. Then they decide that they're going to, now I don't know a hundred percent how this works, but they take out a quick loan for hundred two hundred eighty thousand dollars $280,000. Then they burn down the house and they to collect insurance money. 
money. Right. Then they decide that they're going to change over the insurance policy to a man that they found outside, like basically a homeless man that they found outside of a Goodwill. So they convince him to change the name to that. So then, they because what they decide they're going to do what? is they're just going to take this, this guy. homeless man have really good credit? I guess so. I mean, no credit's better than bad credit, right? That's what I've heard. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so then David Kasdan, unbeknownst to him, gets this pay book, which is like an old book they used to send you when you owed money. They would just say like, hey, here's like a payment plan we've already worked out for you. Right. So, so they would send, they sent him this pay book and they were like, hey, um, you have to pay back this $280,000. And he was like, wait, what? So he calls uh, Sante and uh, Kenny and he's like, hey, what the hell, guys? You told me years ago that you were going to take my name off this deed and you didn't. And now you've taken a loan out against me. On and David. Yeah. Like, I do feel bad that the conclusion is that he dies. They kill him. Right. Yes. Yeah. I do feel bad about that. But also like David's a fucking moron. Who the hell yeah. <laughs> signs on a on a mortgage to a house? Changes your name to a deed. Not even yeah. a mortgage, oh, but you just to a you say give me I'll take the lane I'll say my I'm the I'm the owner of the house and then ignores it for years and maybe he had years. a little crush on Santi Kimes yeah <laughs> you know yeah. Like, it's on like Sandy uh, Chambers yes on old Sandy Chambers <laughs> yeah maybe if I sign the deed over to the house Jesus then, you know. so but then she he left it alone for years yeah years he conned himself almost so then he so he calls it. them right he calls them and he says hey you guys gotta come over here we gotta talk about this so they go okay well then so then they go over there they talk to him about it quote unquote talk to him about it they, they shoot him in the back of the head and yep. they dump his oh body in a dumpster behind uh, near near LAX it's crazy they were to the point now where like once you piss them off you were dead you were a yeah. dead person and she's in her 60s at this point yeah mm. and he's uh, Kenny's like in his 20s I believe yeah and it's it's more terrifying knowing that she's in her 60s and that's when the killing starts. Yeah. At least the first evidence right. killing. Yeah. Because like one of the things that's scary is that that Robert guy, he starts calling, he is, he's at an IHOP and he calls the, from the phone at the IHOP and says, he calls the police and says, you guys got to get over here. These people have kidnapped me and they keep beating me up and they're not letting me go. And so uh, Kenny runs over to him, sees the eyewitnesses say he sees that he sees uh, this guy, Robert talking on the phone and goes, oh, I got to shut this down and goes over, basically goes over to kind of like essentially you know take care of him but then realizes there's too many witnesses and him and his his mom just run away they just leave and they go to new york so they flee to new york and they find this woman because they've they basically know through like just calling around and looking for places in new york uh sante was calling around pretending to be the secretary of a manny garen and saying that she was looking for housing to 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 place her boss and so they find this rich woman named irene silverman who used but essentially it would like was like one of the first Airbnbs because she would find like people who didn't necessarily have enough money to live in an affluent place in New York and she would kind of just let them stay yeah, she in was her a, place. Because she was a socialite and a retired ballerina who had married yeah, mogul. Yeah, like a yeah, real yeah. estate mogul. Yeah. So now she had like all like this really nice place in New York and they uh, basically decide to try to con her and her plan is to take over Irene's identity. Yeah. yeah. So Kenny comes and be- pretends like he's Manny Garen which I feel like is a fake name that he made up where he was like, I'm a manny girl. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like literally just making mouth sounds and came up with that. Um, I'm microphone water bottle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Hello, microphone. Um, and she was just so, so, and she was suspicious again right off the bat. She said that it was weird that they were like hugging the walls every mm-hmm. single time they came in to not get me security cameras she she would see his feet by the door so it was obvious that he was like watching her whereabouts through the eye hole Mm. so july 4th she has this big party and she's like basically telling her maids and her staff like i don't trust this guy manny he has he smells like jail she says that (laughs) smells like jail (laughs) and he has killer face oh my god which i gotta be honest again i don't 
I don't mean to blame the victim, but I feel like, again, with this David guy, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty. obviously. Right. If you live with, if your, one of your tenants has, smells like jail and has killer face, get rid of that guy. Right. Like, right. what, I don't understand why you would keep him around. Like, oh, but he, he makes the greatest knock-knock jokes. Well, you're also like an old lady. She's an old lady. She's not going to assume, and she's a socialite, so she's always just been, you know, kind of taking care of and people are nice to her. So I would assume that people, she was just like, oh, he's, nothing's going to happen. It's like yeah. that nothing's going to happen to me kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so July 4th, she's talking to her servants, right? Then July 5th, nobody can find her. Mm-hmm. And that's not common. And that, the one, she doesn't leave the house. She doesn't leave the house and she can't walk far. She's the lady from Great Expectations. Yeah. Basically. And she always has, <laughs> she always has one of her maids go with her. And these aren't like slave maids. These are like actual like maids who like their jobs. Yeah, they're, and Swedish. Like, <laughs> they're Swedish maids. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're paid well. They're like, <laughs> she wouldn't do this. Like, she can, like literally that's all they say the whole time. Like <laughs> during the, uh, one of the documentaries I started watching, they were like, she wouldn't do she was so nice. Like, I was just like, okay. Uh, but anyway, so she, they immediately contact the authorities and they're like, no, there's no way that she wouldn't be gone. She wouldn't just vanish. Right. So unbeknownst to just so completely. Uh, to that precinct. Yeah. To that precinct. They, they are, they arrest Sante and Kenny leaving New York in, uh, in a vehicle that they bought with uh, bounce checks. So there had been a warrant out for their arrest in Utah and they were arrested for that. And it, when they were arrested, they found a bag with a, with notebooks detailing like cr- um, the crime that they committed against Irene. Not saying essentially that they would murder her, but basically detailing like her whereabouts. They had traced her name in cursive a bunch to, f- to practice forging her signature. Right. You know, basically saying all the things they needed to do, like mm-hmm. get a social security card. They had a, they had a for- forged social security card of Irene's. They had her uh, passport. They had um, unmarked Ten thousand dollars in unmarked bills. They had um, syringes, and so they find this What's bag. With the syringes. I don't. They didn't really mention it. They just said that they found syringes in the in, in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing the police planted just yeah. to make yeah. it just, just to make like, it look yeah. like worse and throw everybody yeah. off. Like what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and OJ's glove. Clearly, <laughs> it was that time. But um, but so then immediately when they grab the bag, the police grab the bag. Sante immediately says, "I we did nothing wrong." And Kenny pees his pants. <laughs> like immediately police grab yeah. him and it's just like immediate it's, soak yeah which they were like <laughs> that was odd <laughs> which I love that they said that <laughs> so they, they never find her body right wow. and so they even though David Kasdan's uh, trial was what murder what happened first they were immediately tried for Irene uh, Silverman's murder in but New they, York in New York but because they, David was in California California yeah so they never they never find her body and during the trial they, they completely say that they're innocent and um, you know uh, Sante says that she was gagged order gag ordered because she wasn't allowed to, t- to testify which wasn't true it's just that she chose not to testify because the judge said that if she chose to testify the prosecution could bring up her slavery charge right yeah so right. she chose not to testify so and she kept trying to like she secretly handed a note to a writer to a reporter at the new york times she kept trying to you like uh influence the jury she what the notes say <laughs> will you go out with me <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> yes or no you i have my matches will you be my fire <laughs> um <laughs> So, and then another thing was that, like, when they got arrested, they started, like, Kenny and Sante started doing really creepy things. Like, they would, like, hold hands during the court case. When they were doing, when they were, like, being interviewed, they would, like, hold hands and they would, like, whisper sweet things. They would, in the court, they would whisper stuff to each other and giggle until the judge had to, like, basically tell them, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. They, like, give each other, like, creepy little kisses. Like, so they were obviously fucking fucking before the trial. It's just, like, at the trial. They kind of let it all out for whatever stupid reason. Yeah. And it's really weird because like when they're asked about it in interviews, like one time Kenny says like, hey, like that's just gross. But my mom's a sensual woman. (laughs) It's just like, oh, why? So, so, uh, so they were found guilty of Irene's murder, which was actually pretty 
uh, interesting because there was no body. But because yeah. of all this evidence, they were found guilty. And they were also found guilty of 117 other crimes One during this case. being icky. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. incest is illegal, right? Yeah. But they, they weren't yeah. tried for that. They, they, they were, weren't tried, yeah. no. And they, because it, so, so after that, they were sent to, they were uh, um, due to be sent to California. California for David Kasdan's murder. So they started doing like interview after interview. They did Larry King. They did Court TV. And then all of a sudden, Kenny, when they're doing a Court TV interview, Kenny takes a reporter by the neck and puts a ballpoint pen up to her neck and says, if you, you have to promise me that you won't transfer my mom to California um, because she could, she's, if she goes to that trial and gets found guilty, she could face the death penalty. So he doesn't want her to even face the trial in California. So he's going to kill so he's oh, going to kill the reporter uh, uh, unless, report unless they get a written thing that says you you can't send my mom to California. He's, yeah, he's holding the reporter hostage li like live on TV for four hours. Holy shit. With yeah. a ballpoint pen. With a ballpoint pen. That's crazy. Yeah, and he and the woman had interviewed him prior. She had interviewed yeah, him and without he was any at, problems. Without any problems. And she even said like he was so nice until the moment that he took the ballpoint. He, he took her by the neck. 100% the mom told him to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 100%. If you look at the interviews that they do, each of them, they, it's like bullet points. Yeah. It's like the mom went over the, the exactly the, the way to talk and how to talk. And it's, it's just like he, 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 she dictated that entire thing. It's really sad because that's what she did his whole life. Like somebody else in, in one of the documentaries says that that, that kid never had a chance. Like yeah. she, yeah. she controlled him from day one and, she did that in every single way possible. She did that mentally, like physically, sexually. She never, ever had, uh, gave him a chance to have his own life. Yeah. And yeah. And then, and so when they went to California, then that's when everything changed because that's when the death penalty was on the table. And, um, that's basically when Ken, then Kenny decided he's going to confess, but instead of getting a plea deal from him for himself, he gets a plea deal for his mom. So he confesses Damn. to the crimes, implicates his mom, says, Hey, my mom told me to do these crimes but you can't you know i did the crime so you can't you can't sentence her to death yeah. wow so he still saves his mom essentially <laughs> so um so he he said yes we killed her we killed irene silverman we drugged her uh and then we strangled her and we threw her body mm -hmm. in a uh, river in uh in, or in a dumpster in hoboken new jersey which i feel like is just like you know that's just like a corner store in hoboken new jersey <laughs> <laughs> I've been there one time and I walked through and I said, this smells like an old woman's body deteriorating in a dumpster. Um, oh, one thing we didn't mention is when when the banker in the Bahamas disappeared, they left right away. And even it, though the authorities like suspected them, nothing ever happened no. to them for that crime. No justice was ever brought to that like for that banker and they think that she might have killed one person by herself because when she left when they left hawaii and they moved back to las vegas she she had been burnt she had burnt the house down in hawaii and there was a accomplice that said i that was kind of testifying against people in hawaii saying hey i i burnt i helped her burn that house down and then she he was never heard from again and he was like essentially dead Man. so well all right. Well, so that's so Dante. she dies in jail. She dies in jail. So they oh. were both they were they were basically half a century for Irene Silverman's murder and half a century for David Kasdan's <laughs> yeah, murder. Yeah, her her release date was like twenty one nineteen. Yeah, if it were you know. Yeah, and so now I think it's so arbitrary that they give you a release date when you have like one hundred and seventeen years. Yeah, I, I would I would love to watch one person like count down the time and then actually get released because that may eventually happen one day and yeah. it's just like. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, right. you said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, people have been in prison for like 10 years now come out and are totally shell-shocked by yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, very true. What would they be like oh, in 120 like, years? You know, hopefully we'll have a flying car by then. So is, right. is Kenny still alive? So Kenny, yeah, Kenny's still alive. I, I'm he pretty didn't sure. face the, the death penalty in California then? No. They gave him life? They just gave him life, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, see. you're right. Wow. So, yeah. So that's the story of Sante Kimes and her, yeah. her son. Kenny. Kenny. And uh, there's a lot more info in the book, uh, Son of a Grifter by Kent Kimes, who was Kent the, Walter. Kent Walter. Oh, he changed his name. Yeah. Right. Or, no, oh, sorry. Walk, sorry Kent Walker. Kent no, Walker, yeah. which is her first son. 
her first son. Yeah. And he's, it's an interesting thing. Cause I mean, you could tell he still loves his mom, but he like, is very much just like, she is a terrifying person. Right. So, I mean, I kind of feel, yeah, he's still alive. I kind of feel bad for, for him because, you know, I mean, it's like, you have to kind of go with the fact that, you know, you love your mom was a great mom when she was with you, but then now she's like this, you know, sociopath. Yes. All right. Michael, do you, uh, do you have anything, any last words for Sante? Um, you know, I think, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think. She is, she's a scary one. She's a scary, she's a mommy dearest. Yeah. And again, like, guy. this was, this was going into this. I thought this was going to be one murder and this was going to be a woman who like essentially raised her son to kill somebody and that was it. And it's mm-hmm. like so much more. Well, I'm just shocked that she only got five years for like owning slaves. Yeah. Yeah. Why is well, that? They so were Mexican. Oh, okay. Right, okay. Right. <laughs> Let's be honest. We don't and have they're a... they're also Venezuelan. They're illegal. They're lighter skinned. Yeah, they're illegal. Don't you guys care about uh, them more? Uh, we, uh, we don't have a, a great history of caring about illegal people <laughs> coming to our country. Let's <laughs> just be honest. nuts. I, I mean, she did it so many times. It's like she got like a month Well, it's It's shocking slate. just how long she got away with so many crimes mm-hmm. in general. Yeah. I just, I just think it's funny if she's just like, oh, I need somebody to fold towels. I keep forgetting to grab. Okay, I'm going to go to Mexico tomorrow. Yeah. Right, it's so like much a lot of, work. Like, a lot of just shopping. To- like be a slave trader. <laughs> well, but, uh, like that, but that's a grifter in general. Is like you know she, she instead of like actually like hunkering down and like figuring out how to make money, she like forges social security cards, and it's like that just seems like so much more work. It, it's I think it's about making I think it's about making that money or doing things on like your own terms and not mm-hmm. like playing by the rules. Like it's the same thing as like like when I was a kid, I used to cheat on homework assignments and stuff by like photo shopping like stamps and shit like that that took like tons of time and like ordering stamps online and it took way more time than to just like learn how to spell Penelope. <laughs> <laughs> what did stamps have to do with spelling okay. Penelope? All right. Well, th- so <laughs> in high school, this is a detour. You can cut this out. But in high school, they had homework assignments and the teacher was some, what they would do is they'd stamp your homework and then they'd stamp your calendar. And oh, on the yeah. calendar, there'd be, if you, they just, at the end of the month, they'd be like, all right, there's like 16 stamps on here. You get 160 points. So what I would do, is I wouldn't do the homework. Homework. I would <laughs> just I do like two or three assignments so I could get the stamp what the stamp looked like oh, scan the stamp into smart. Photoshop take out all the gray area and then like kind of like change the color of the stamp and rotate it and stuff yeah. and then like print all those stamps onto a sheet of paper and I was oh, like look nice. I did oh, I did it yeah right. that's awesome that is cool I used to photoshop snow days like the website that would have a snow day on it and then send it to your I would show it to my parents like look it's a snow day I can't go did you live in <laughs> southern California <laughs> I lived in the high desert so we would oh. have like snow and ice days <laughs> oh, okay I know I didn't, that's like, crazy I, I obviously I got away with it way more than I should have because there was like 40 snow days a year in my world <laughs> <laughs> like During two. like July. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your parents were just like, as long as you're out of the house. Yeah. Like, and as long as they were just like, whatever. Just, just get out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael, do you have any shows or anything you want to plug coming up? This, um, um, this will come out today. Today. Um, detention. Uh, sketch comedy at the Pack Theater. We perform every second Sunday of the month. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Twitter at Pizza Scarston, Instagram at Pizza Scarston. Um, that's pretty much out. What's your favorite pizza? What's my favorite pizza? You know, it's actually really sad because I've got I'm real I'm lactose intolerant and I also have a gluten allergy, and that's both happened since no. I started my Twitter and my Instagram account, so I can kind of I mean I still eat pizza but it's just really painful so you have to do like goat cheese gluten free pizza right it's still good yeah it's still good Uh, (laughs) all right well check us out on Instagram and Twitter at bloody podcast and also look out for shameless advertising for a musical I have coming up called bitty bitty bang bang coming in March to the complex March 22nd and 23rd so watch out for that it's really great it's a musical conspiracy about uh, what if JLo killed Selena. Ooh. What? Oh, I love that. All right. Well, yeah, let's definitely check that out. And thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. 